Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us, If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the thing about Jesus is he tends to cause trouble. We can see this in all four of the Gospels. Whenever Jesus speaks or acts, especially in a decisive way, he tends to awaken in his followers and those who hear him an opposition. Of course, all the Gospels move toward this climactic point of the cross when everyone comes after him. Today we finish our reading of this Bread of Life discourse from the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus presenting to us in great detail, rich theological detail, the meaning of the Eucharist. We shouldn't be surprised, therefore, that at the end of this discourse, what he awakens is opposition. Listen, many of the disciples of Jesus remarked, this sort of talk is hard to endure. How can anyone take it seriously? And then toward the end, from this time on, many of his disciples broke away and would not remain in his company any longer. I said last week that in laying out this densely textured picture of the Eucharist, Jesus presents to us the Christian thing. We see this way of being, this way of life that is Christianity. And because it's so vividly presented, because it's so vividly presented, the opposition is especially strong to it. Last week I mentioned there were three things that emerged with great clarity in this presentation. First of all, Christianity has to do with him, with Jesus, not his teaching primarily, but with him. Secondly, it has to do with a God who becomes flesh. Thirdly, it has to do with the law of the gift. All three are difficult to take. All three awaken opposition, and therefore, Christians, all three call for a decision on our part. That's what's so powerful here. At the end of this process, the end of this presentation, Jesus will say to his disciples, well, they've all left. What do you say? What will you do? And so we, as we hear this presentation, we are compelled to make a decision. Are we for him or are we against him? Let me look just briefly again at these three things and point out why they awaken such opposition. First of all, that it's about him. Wouldn't it be easier just to say, Jesus is one more 
compelling and beautiful spiritual teacher. There are a lot of them, you know, from the Buddha, Hindu masters, from Muhammad, uh, Jewish mystics and teachers. Why couldn't Jesus just be one of them? One like them. And so that, you know, I, I'm intrigued by what he says. But that I have to be related to him in a personal and exclusive way, it just seems counterintuitive. What do I say? All those other teachers just have nothing to say? Why would Jesus have to make this enormous, exclusive, and personal demand on me? It just doesn't seem reasonable. How about we get at it this way? Look at it not from our side, but from Jesus' side. The Lord Jesus Christ offers us friendship. I no longer call you servants, but friends, says the Lord at the Last Supper. Friendship. Friendship. I want you to stay with me. I want to be in your company. I want you to be in my company. I want a relationship with you. That's what Jesus says. And in that relationship, we become the friends of God. That's the heart of the Christian thing. Now, suppose there were someone in your life who was offering you friendship. They wanted to be friends, and they were offering you this relationship. And you were to say to them, Oh, oh, you know, I think you're great. I like what you stand for. I like your ideas. But I, I don't really want to be your friend. I want to listen to a lot of other people and hang out with a lot of other people. Well, would that be satisfying to this prospective friend? No, no. And so if we say to Jesus, I know you're offering me friendship, but hey, I'm just interested in your ideas. That's not what he wants. That's not what he's offering. He's offering much more than that. Intimacy with him. I think a second reason why this is so difficult, it makes such a demand on us. If someone's your friend and you say, well, I spend, you know, an hour a year with him or with her, you know, once, a, once a, every couple of years we talk on the phone, well, that's not your friend. A friend is someone who can legitimately demand from you time and attention, you know? So if Jesus Christ is saying, I want friendship with you, what he's saying is, I want your time and attention. And in fact, I demand it. I want you to be an intimate part of my life, and so I must be an intimate part of your life. I want your time and attention, in fact, in a central way. Hey, I much prefer to keep Jesus at arm's length. I would much prefer to listen from time to time to his teaching, maybe to find him inspiring in a vague way, but friendship, that makes a big personal demand on me. Yep, it does. Which is why we find it so hard. Which is why they say, and we say, this kind of talk is hard to endure. There was a second thing I pointed out last week that I think becomes clear in this discourse. That the Word became flesh. That God became one of us. God took to himself a nature like ours, an animal body, muscle and nerves, as ordinary stuff. God became flesh. 
I mentioned last week that from the beginning of Christianity, this teaching has been opposed. The docetus early on, that word comes from the Greek word dokane, by the way, which means to appear. The docetus said, no, God just appears to be human. He's not really enfleshed. How could God become a, a grubby creature? And the last couple centuries, modern liberals have said, no, Jesus is a great spiritual teacher, a great ethical example, but not God-made flesh. Why, up and down the centuries, have we resisted the claim that God becomes a creature? Well, I think it has a lot to do with flesh, and I mean now our flesh. Unless you, we saw last week, consume my body and drink my blood, unless you gnaw on my flesh in that almost gross term in the Greek and drink my blood, you have no life in you. If God becomes flesh and we're meant to consume him, we're meant to eat his body and drink his blood, that means we become conformed to him. And Christians, that means, listen, God now gets into my flesh. My ordinary life, my sexual life, my physical life, my life of recreation, play, everything I do with my body. But I'm drawing Jesus Christ into that world. <laughs> I am much happier keeping him at a distance. I'd be much happier. God's in his heaven, in his spiritual place. Here I am now in my grubby physicality. But see, I'm happier with that. I'm happier with that because now God is not invading my flesh. But the Eucharist, the incarnation says, yes, he does. Yes, he does. I can't just say, here's the material world, there's the spiritual world. The spiritual world has invaded the material world. And when I eat his body and drink his blood, I allow his flesh to invade my flesh flesh. Better, my flesh to be assimilated to his. I'm, as a sinner, much happier with a distant God. This fleshy God is too close. This God who insists on getting into every nook and cranny of my life, I kind of prefer to keep at a distance. I know I've spoken before about the lordship of Jesus, Jesus is the Lord. That means he's the commander of everything in my life. Intellectual, yes. Spiritual, yes. Physical, yes. He's the Lord of that too, because the word became flesh. Third, great truth that emerges from this discourse, the law of the gift. I said it last week. Your being increases in the measure that you give it away. Life is not about hoarding things for the ego, drawing the world into me. That's the way of the sinner. The way of the saint, embodied fully in Christ, is that my being increases as I give it away. Friends, why were the ancient gods so popular? 
All those gods of ancient Greece and Rome. Well, they were like us. Read those stories of the gods. The gods were immortal, the gods had great powers, and so on. But spiritually, psychologically, they were a lot like us. Vain, self-absorbed, jealous, violent. They didn't make much of a moral demand on us. Oh, be like the gods. Fine, I'd like to be like the gods. They're like me at my worst moments. They weren't much of a challenge. But then there's this. The Word becomes flesh, dwells among us, and shows us that God is nothing but self-offering love. God says, eat my body and drink my blood. God says, my whole being is to be for you. <laughs> hey, hey, wait. Now that God does make a moral demand on me. Because boy, oh boy, do I realize my life is not like that. As I survey my own life, I say, almost every waking moment, I'm thinking about ways to aggrandize myself. The true God says, my whole being is to give myself away. Confronting that God is not easy. <laughs> and that's why I find this kind of talk hard to endure. Jesus turns to the twelve as a lot of his disciples leave. And he says, so, do you want to leave me too? That's the question we hear at the end of this last or this Bread of Life discourse? That's the question we hear. It's about him personally. It's about a God who is made flesh and enters into our flesh. It's about the God of the gift. Do you want to enter into this beautiful and compelling world? Or is it too much? That's the decision prompted by the Eucharist. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.